Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Lon Samantha Chang, author of the new novel, The Family Chow. Chang is the director of the Iowa Writers Workshop. She has previously written a collection of short fiction, Hunger, and two novels, Inheritance and All is Forgotten, Nothing is Lost. Samantha, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your latest novel, The Family Chow, how would you describe the novel? Oh, that's a question that, if you can believe it, no one has asked me this question yet. So I'm going to describe it in as fresh a way as humanly possible. Um, I would describe the book as a story about a family of Chinese immigrants living in the American Midwest who've been there for so long that they've created all of the trouble that they're in by themselves. Um, (laughs) This is the first half of the book. You get a very strong sense of exactly what the trouble is. And then in the second half of the book, their trouble is made public when um, the tyrannical patriarch of the family is discovered you know, dad, basically, <laughs> and and the entire community, indeed, uh, the internet community, become aware of who they are and what what is happening with them. So that is that is the basic story. Gotcha. I- I'm curious. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write the Family Chow? Absolutely. I was just looking through my writing logs way back in time, um, there were two moments. One was way back in 2005. Uh, I suddenly began to write in the present tense. I was in between projects, which is a, a really sort of awful period for me. And um, I was writing in the present tense and realizing that I was actually very much enjoying it. Um and this is something that I'd always told my students not to do. So it was kind of a, yeah, it was a humbling experience to realize what a pleasure it was. Um, but I couldn't come up with the plot. I had a tyrannical patriarch. I had three children. I had an unhappy marriage between their parents. And I wrote around that time, um, you know, a list of ideas that I, you know, was messing around with because, as I said, I was completely lost at the time. And it was, the story takes place in one night. It is a huge dinner party. And at the time, I didn't know if this was going to be a story or a novel, but I was super intrigued by the idea of a big dinner party. Um, it seems like a very loaded situation to me because I think, whose party was it? What happened at the party? Um, and of course, what what were they eating at the party? Um, I feel like a party is a special situation because you really can't control how it works. I mean, hosts try, people try very hard, um, but anything can happen. And so that was interesting. And then I, I set the project aside for, I don't know how many years, probably eight years, um, I wrote a different novel after that about some poets, um, a very different kind of novel. 
And then I went into a period after that novel where I really didn't write for years. I was too busy. I had a child and a really busy full-time job. Um, I had a lot of um, wonderful students that I, you know, whose lives I was, I, you know, who I knew a lot about and I was working with them and just life was too full uh, for me to get work done. And, but I was very frustrated by this. And then one day in about 2013, I also found this in my writing log. Um, I was sitting in my office and talking to a student about their thesis. And they said that they're always interested in books that are patterned on other books. And that when they have a project, it's often a project that's directly inspired by another project. And the thing is that for years I had been obsessed with Fyodor Dostoevsky's novel, the, the uh, brothers Karamazov. And to the point where I had actually taught two non-credit discussion groups um, or held them. I don't know if I taught them. I held these discussion groups. They were like book club meetings um, at the workshop and people read this, you know, very long book and showed up and talked for, you know, hours about it, um, a couple of sessions without getting any credit. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't get credit either. I just did it because I loved the book and I wanted to talk to other people who had read it. Um, and I thought, but when that student was in my office, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I would enjoy whether it would be possible to write an homage to that book. And something occurred to me around then, which was that my um, sort of interest in the present tense uh, could be employed in this kind of project because the original Brothers Kermatsov is broken into two parts, which is already interesting to me for a variety of reasons. But um, the first part takes place over about three days. It's very long. It's like 300, I don't know, it's many pages long. Mm-hmm. And it it all unfolds in, it almost feels like real time. It practically takes you as much time to read the book as it does, <laughs> um, you know, for it to happen. And because of this, uh, it has this feeling that present tense has where you're deeply and in, in, involved in sort of one unfolding time period and you don't know what's going to happen next, if that makes sense. And I thought, you know, I could actually use that voice that I enjoyed so much. And keeping in mind that at the time I was very much um, having trouble writing, I wanted to come up with a project that would engage me, that I would like and enjoy, that would entertain me and, um, you know, keep me working. And this is what I came up with. Gotcha. And so you were talking about when you started writing the present tense, what what was the pleasure of the present tense for you? It's really interesting. Um, I will try to describe it as, you know, I'll use an out, um, just a comparison. Mm-hmm. So if imagine a dog uh, trotting down the street without its owner, just off on a joy trip. You know, you ever see a dog like that? You'll be walking along and you'll see a dog heading toward you with nobody (laughs) behind it. And then imagine 
a little camera <laughs> sort of in between the, the front, the ears of the dog so that everything he sees or she sees um, is just is unfolding or visible to whoever's, you know, going to see the camera later or whoever's looking yeah. at the camera. That's what it feels like to me. You know, if the dog stops and, and, sees another dog or smells something interesting or goes off on a path, you're just going along with it. There's, as I said, something very pleasurable about that for me. Sure. Well, you mentioned several times your writing logs. Can you kind of describe how you use writing logs and, and what those look like for you? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, I only started calling them logs while I was writing uh, this book. I used to call them my notes. So they're every couple of years, I would start a new file of notes. And they weren't necessarily notes about the book in progress. Sometimes I kept those in a severed file. But again, sometimes they did contain notes about the book in progress. And they were basically just helping me keep track of what I was thinking about. Because um, at a certain point, my life became so busy that if I didn't make a conscious effort to remind myself what I was thinking about and working on, I might have forgotten it. Um, I guess for the last 15 years, mm -hmm. I've had this set of notes, maybe before that also. Um, but I started my job 16 years ago, and um, I just needed a place that I could go in my computer in this case, where I didn't have to think about my job. Um, I write the date down and then the time of day, and I'll include all kinds of details, like what I did or what I'm supposed to be doing, uh, even though I'm not doing it, which is basically, as far as I can tell, the life of an adult writer. Um, every Every minute that you have that you're working is basically stolen or borrowed from other responsibilities to people or things or your, you know, employment. Um, gosh, I write, I keep track of my, okay. So when I'm in between projects in my logs, I keep track of whatever thoughts I'm having at the time. When I'm on a project, when I'm onto it, I often keep track of what I'm working on, what I want to work on next. Um, what I did, you know, what I did and what I'm doing next. Uh, yeah, that's sort of what my logs are like. Sure. Well, as you as you mentioned, you, you mentioned your job. And as I mentioned at the outset, you're the director of the Iowa Writers Workshop. And on this podcast, I've interviewed a number of MFA graduates and some Iowa uh, graduates. And obviously... In the MFA world, the Iowa's Writer Workshop is somewhat legendary. I'm curious, how do you balance your work with the workshop and your own writing? I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, for one thing, I think years, as I said, went by when I wasn't writing at all. And part of the reason was that I was so involved with the program and with my students. Um at that time, I used to think about my job in a frustrated way because I felt like the reason I couldn't think of a new project 
must have to do with the fact that I had something crowding into my brain from every at every waking moment. Somebody's True. needs were always like very vividly presented to me and easily took over whatever like fledgling thought I had or fledgling sense of, I don't know if the word is confidence, but um, it's like you really have to commit to a project, especially in the beginning stages for me in order to get anything written at all, because um, overcoming doubt and incur and becoming encouraged is so like, it's such a fragile process. And if somebody's constantly telling you they have a problem or an issue or they want you to read your work, it's a lot easier to turn to their more urgent needs mm-hmm. than it is to do yours. And so for a while I felt frustrated for years. And then, but now when I look at look at it sort of from a different angle, I feel lucky that I had the opportunity and still have it to work with people who are writing in many cases, some of the first most sort of um, urgent fiction they've ever written in their lives um, because, or people who are facing urgent writing problems, perhaps for the first time as it, you know, as that they ever have, um, or people who may not be new to writing but whose issues are like very clearly defined from my perspective so that I can see exactly what it is that the problem is, even if I can't explain it to them. Um, And the reason is that I'm able to sometimes, not always, but occasionally get that long view on my own work. And I think that's a really hard view to get as a writer. Um, I think what happens is that we're born, our brains are born, our, our psyches are born into a certain historical and cultural moment, and we we become um, sort of beings that are infused with those sensibilities, and we start writing, and then depending on you know, how long we've been writing or whatever happens to us, we carry those moments, we carry the moments of our first um, writing experiences around forever. Um, and you can tell when you read people's work sometimes, and I'm not naming any names, nor mm-hmm. do I'm critical. I'm just describing something I noticed. I can read a book written by somebody who was a big deal or was becoming a big deal when I was a young writer. And I can see that what they've done is something that was very much like what they were doing when I was a young writer. But for some reason, it's lost whatever it, uh, how do I say this? People aren't paying attention to it. And then I used to think, why? This is good writing. And then I would understand that something has changed in the culture so that people see and understand differently. Um, they have, they're looking for something. Uh, else from their reading than they used to be when I was young. And I'm not saying that my work is um, all all that different from it was when I was young, but it is actually. This book is significantly different. It's different because A, I wrote it to entertain myself, but B, because I was reading all kinds of stuff. I was reading many, many um kinds of projects, not just um, my students' projects, but projects that I read just randomly while I'm 
choosing people to come here or, um, you know, outside of my job while I'm um, working with people. And so I always felt, I always I feel now like I understand what people are writing. Um, and somehow that has seeped into what I'm writing. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. It does. Um, it's also inspiring and like bracing to constantly be confronted with the problems that writers have um, because it helps me understand when I have a problem. Oh, but Sam, you've seen this before. Like, you know what this means because you know how when you've got your own writing problem, when you're stuck in the middle of something, you think it's the, the first time and the only time this has ever happened to anybody. I can't really tell myself that. Um, I, I know, for example, I'm having a terrible time right now because I finished my book, The Family Chow, and I'm waiting for it to come out. But what I would really, really like is to be like deep in another book. <laughs> and then I can't do that. It's impossible, as far as I could tell, for me to become deeply involved in another book when something that I've written is becoming um, like visible to sure. other people. It's just this odd sort of vulnerable, uneasy feeling that you can't, you can't settle down and start something new. Um, but then I think, Sam, but you know, a ton of your students have felt like this. And what did you tell them? You tell them that they don't have to start something new right now. <laughs> so I would say overall, now that I've finally finished this book, I can look at my teaching and be really grateful for it. And I think that when I was most frustrated with it was when I was trying to start a new book and hadn't um, and and couldn't do it because of the time time consuming aspects of teaching. So sure, you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, how has the Iowa Writers Workshop weathered the pandemic? That's a really interesting question. I would say we are fine, but that that there's some things that I am sorry are not the same as usual. So 
Um, the students have been lovely and wonderful, and they have come here to Iowa City and somehow managed to create communities and like be sort of in their writing despite all of the, you know, stress that the global pandemic has caused. But one thing that I'm waiting for is for the world to open up a bit again so that instead of visitors being on Zoom, that we could have more people here, other, uh, you know, other writers would come sure. to town again. Um, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's something that everybody's waiting for. Sure, definitely. Well, I'm I'm sure that you have lots of thoughts on this next question, but I did want to ask, what what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels and looking to kind of improve their own work, hopefully with the idea of publication? Right. That's so interesting because I feel that there's an enormous difference between trying to improve your work and trying to improve it with an eye toward publication, <laughs> particularly on the level of a book-length work. Example, if I were working with students writing short stories, I think there are um, ways to create or to understand or to try to um, make the work deeper. There are ways to become more engaged with the work. There are ways to, um, you know, obviously improve technique um, so that you can get closer to what you envision for your work mm -hmm. or ways to discover new things. I think that, right. So, so, and I also feel that there are a lot of ways to get published. Um, if you, if you're writing short fiction, uh, a lot of really wonderful journals that have dedicated editors and um, very committed to uh, quality work. Okay. <laughs> as far as book publication is concerned, I feel <laughs> as confused as the next person. I often, oh gosh, you know, the other day somebody said in an interview, they asked me, do you have classes on how to get your work published at the workshop? And I said, no. But then I realized afterwards that the real problem is that I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I've taught for years and years and I've published for years and years, but I do not have a ton of advice that I think is actually <laughs> foolproof. You know, I cannot predict whose work is going to get published and whose isn't a lot of the time. I mean, there's sometimes you can tell, but like mostly it's fascinating to me how, how confusing the publication, the pub, pub the publication industry is. Sure. Sure. Um, well, yeah. Um uh, on that on that note, I just I was just curious, um, and I'm sure that you know this could be a loaded question for you because I know that there are a lot of graduates. But are there any um, recent graduates that we should be looking out for in terms of forthcoming uh, publications of book length work? Well, right this month um, in January, there are several workshop graduates whose books are being published. Um, that I've actually worked with. So Mark Prins, um, P-R-I-N-S, has published a new novel, its first novel called The Latinist, um, which is a pretty fascinating book uh, about academia and about cl <laughs> classicists. 
Um, and so Chil Gonzalez has published a book called Olga Dies Dreaming um, that is very engaging book about um, Puerto Rican immigrants and their children living in the U.S. family, a family. Um, there recently in in the late fall, in past fall, uh, James Hahn Matson published a book called Reprieve, which is a kind of I don't know. Is there a category for this political, <laughs> politically driven thriller? Um, uh, yeah, and, I think so. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Elizabeth Weiss um, published a book. I think. Uh, called The Sister's Suite. I think there are a lot of books coming out at every moment, and so I apologize for anybody whose book I didn't mention. Yeah, absolutely. I understand. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels and work? My website is lonsamanthachang.com. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Lon Samantha Chang, author of the new novel, The Family Chow, the novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy at your local independent bookstore. And Samantha, thanks for doing this interview. It was my pleasure. Wonderful. That was great. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.